Who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Always do get hard. Good. Twice the pride, double the fall. You are the chosen one! That's right, that music means that we are back here on Roll On Gaming. Welcome back to the show. Sorry we haven't been with you for a couple weeks, but you know what? It's been busy talking about all the things that we have to talk about with Star Wars Unlimited, and we're going to go ahead and share some of those thoughts with you. But as always, I am Kevin. I am joined by my brother Corwin. Corwin, how are we doing? Doing well, man. Excited to get into it. Yeah, let's definitely jump in because we got a lot to discuss. Um, there are a lot of cards that we uh, have missed in the spoiler circuit we'll get into those and i want to talk a little bit about the overall sort of feelings that we have on drawing cards in star wars unlimited because there have been a lot of cards recently that have come out that deal with draw uh, we're going to talk about some of them today but before we get into that i just want to say thank you to all the people that continue to support us on youtube interact with us on twitter and also on youtube uh, your support has been really meaningful it's been very noticed and it's been very very awesome so thank you all for that. I look forward to seeing as many of you as possible in person at all the awesome events that we saw uh, revealed for uh, competitive organized play for Star Wars Unlimited. Um, that's not something we'll we'll dive into a ton today, but needless to say, Corwin, we're excited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be a while before we get any of these big competitive events, but it's probably a good thing, you know, to get allow time for everyone to sort of get their feet wet in, in the game and uh, get some local games under, under their belt first. But, you know, um, definitely excited about the, uh, the, the upcoming competitive events, the galactic championships being um, open registration for the first year, I think is a huge W. Uh, so yeah, really, really excited for all of that to come. Yeah. Very glad about that. Cause I, the chances of me getting invited on merit, especially that first year, a little dicey, but you know, getting, you know, hopefully being able to get a ticket and an open invite is, uh, is perfectly okay by me. And I'm really excited about the planetary qualifiers and, you know, being at store level, you know, hopefully those will be pretty accessible, especially in our area. Um, but I want to start really quick be, uh, because I, there was an interesting discussion that was had, uh, on our Twitter account at Roland SWD. Um, uh, I mentioned that, uh, you know, that I've been playing around with a lot of different leaders lately. Um, and there were a lot of people, a lot of, of you who listen and watch and, and, and keep an eye on us who, who have had a variety of experiences with leaders so far in Star Wars Unlimited. So Corwin, I wanted to pose a question to you the same way I posed it to uh, the overall uh, masses. And by masses, I, I use that word very uh, uh, conservatively. Um, you know, with the leaders that we've seen so far in Unlimited, like what What's getting you excited to build with? What's getting you excited to build a deck around? Like, what's a leader that that really has your eye right now? Sure, yeah. I mean, admittedly, I, I don't think I've played the game as much as you have at this point. Um, but <laughs> I can definitely say that, um, I mean, ever since ever since he got released, and, and I know this is kind of throwing it old school a bit, but Boba Fett for me, I think is, is the one that is really continuing to stand out. Um, I'm just really curious to see what I can do with the resource gen and the ability to kind of manipulate the resource curve through Boba's ability. I think yellow is, or cunning is a super interesting aspect and we're going to learn more about it this month with them, which I'm very excited about. But I think some of the cards, the early cards that, that uh, we've seen that are accessible to both sides in cunning look really, really interesting. Uh, and so I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Boba. I just, I really want to see how that mechanic of, of reading the resources plays out and if it's feasible to kind of put you over the top yeah. you know, resource wise. Totally. Because, you know, theoretically you could, you could just stop resourcing at, at five or, or six with Boba and be perfectly happy since you're getting, so many resets uh, around theoretically with his ability. I mean, he really opens up the game, the game for, you know, uh, keeping more cards in your hand and being able to do stuff with them uh, at a low price point. So uh, Boba Fett's one that was also mentioned and, and one that's really interesting. And I, and I, I, I'm excited to learn more about what goes into a Boba Fett deck uh, this week, actually this week when we see 
uh, the Cunning Aspect stream coming up. Um, hopefully, uh, by the time you've seen this, uh, it will still be coming up. But, but if you've, it's already happened, then uh, for the future people, I bet it was a great stream. Um, Boba Fett feels really good, especially because the Boba Fett unit also feels really good. You know, I just can't, I can't seem to tear myself away from Darth Vader, at least for now. And, you know, Vader has been one that uh, obviously we all know about and have known about since the beginning. But, you know, the, the power level of Vader is, it, there's a reason he comes out at seven, you know, and, and just getting that extra two damage on attack, having the eight HP, um, and, you know, having his, his lightsaber be a complimentary piece. I'm really, I've really been enjoying uh, watching Vader just sort of like, keep you in a game you know you there's definitely a, a time that you could be down but vader hits the table it's a, it, the game changes as long as it doesn't get um you know uh, overwhelming barraged or maximum fire powered or whatever um there's definitely a, a world where vader changes the game yeah and that's exciting right because he's a starter character or leader so that is uh obviously going to be huge if he has you know formidable play in in um you know once we start to to kind of form the the, the competitive scene here but but yeah i mean i think i still think vader is strong as well um and i'm glad that you're you're finding the same and obviously i'm excited for you being uh the vader fan that you are it's going to be great if he can be viable well i i i say all that and then you know if 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 what we think might be true and Thrawn is a leader. I mean, I'm, I'm going mm. straight off the, off the deep end on, on Thrawn. So we'll, we'll see where we get, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Um, let's talk about some of the cards that have been recently uh, revealed uh, for Star Wars Unlimited. We'll, we'll, we'll burn through these a little bit quicker than the last time. Cause I you know, want to get to a little bit more discussion, but um, the, the month that we just passed October was aggression month. So we'll start with an aggression card. This one was revealed. Um, by FFG. This is Infiltrator Skill. Uh, a one-cost uh, single aspect upgrade. Uh, and for the one cost, you're getting plus one, plus one, and attached unit gains Saboteur. Pretty straightforward here, but I do think Saboteur is going to pay dividends because of its ability to get past Sentinels and hit shields. Two things that I think are going to be very, very viable in an early metagame. Yeah, we talked about this last episode. This having saboteur in aggression feels ex especially strong because you're trying to hit the base constantly. So, I like this card a lot. For one, I would pay one for this just to get the saboteur keyword, and then on top of that, you're getting the plus one plus one upgrade to your unit. So, I I think this is a, a great value and um, something I'm going to be taking a very close look at for aggression decks. Right. If you think of Tarkin's ability, which I think Tarkin's one of the stronger leaders at this point. You know, you pay one to get the experience token. This is that same cost, except you're getting Saboteur attached to it. Now, will it always be useful? Maybe not. You know, maybe this ends up being a sideboard card, as others have suggested. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about sideboards other than the fact that they exist. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that this is... Because Saboteur has the ability to tag both things and not just one, um, I think that this is going to have some value here. And, and you know, again... Paying, paying one for an experience has been proven to be good. Um, and so this just gives you a little bit of extra, and we'll we'll see where that gets us. Um, continuing on to probably a better uh, aggression card, um, one that I think has been universally uh, uh, lauded at, uh, since its reveal. Um, this, again, was, was uh, revealed by FFG. This is the Green Squadron A-Wing. Two-cost space unit, uh, aggression and heroism. Uh, for that two cost, you're getting a 1-3 Rebel Vehicle Fighter with Raid 2. So essentially a 3-3 three, three for 2 when it attacks. There's not much more to say about this other than the fact it's awesome and it goes in every Aggression Heroism deck as a 3 of, hands down. And, I mean, I, I, I think this would make you want to play Aggression just to get this on your side. It's really good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it packs a lot of punch for two resources. Great starting unit and, you know, potentially can stick around a little bit with the three health. So, yeah, not like you said, not much more to say about it. It's just a really, really solid unit card. I, again, this is this is sort of playing into my thought process that right now, 
rebels uh, have a, a better space force than imperials do um we might we might change our minds on that here in a little bit there's a card coming that might say uh, otherwise Kevin. well uh, yeah i think they do two different things uh in in rebel space and imperial space but that's true uh i think there's no argument that the green squadron a-wing is going to see a lot of play early late and in the middle i mean this is a common right this is a really good common yeah no i'm definitely going to be uh very excited to 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 pull this in any sort of limited format it's a great um great little starter unit to throw out there just yeah really solid card can't ignore space all right let's move on to the academy defense walker this is a six cost ground unit in uh vigilance and villainy the double v's uh for that six cost you're getting a five five imperial vehicle walker with sentinel uh, and when played give an experience token to each friendly damaged unit Hello, Director Krennic. Nice to see you. We're we're slowly but surely getting some Krennic support. Whether or not I want to pay six for this, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's okay at six. I mean, I definitely like the fact that it has Sentinel. That's probably what makes the card. Um, and then I'm always I'm always good to see you know uh, when played or other triggers that have upside. So the fact that this could potentially give you you know, you're probably realistically only getting one to two experience tokens out of this on average. Um, but the fact that it could give you more than that, it, if you're going a little wider, is uh, is very appealing. So I think this is a fine card. I, I, I like it at six. I would definitely be looking at it um, as uh, just a, a very solid, you know, a slightly above average option um, compared to, you know, some of the other uh, villainy vigilance cards we've seen so thus far i i'm a little more hesitant on this card because you i don't think you would ever pay six for a five five sentinel unless you're desperate um the amount of buffs that it can give or receive um again you can buff this with tarkin you can buff this with veers uh it can give out the experience tokens i think if you're if you're feeling really good about this you need to be giving out two experience tokens with it i think one, you're essentially paying six for a six-six Sentinel. That's mo that's mostly on curve. I think for a single aspect unit, again, you you, you look at cell block guard as the example. Single aspect villainy, three for a three-three Sentinel. So um, I think when you have the double aspect, you're looking for a little bit more bang for your buck, which is why I think you want to make sure that you're getting at least two experience out of this. If so, being able to spread that around since this is going to take damage immediately anyway. I like it that way, but I think I think it's a, a much more situational card than say the Green Squadron A Wing, which were both spoiled at this on the same stream. So uh, I guess what remains to be seen uh, how much work this ends up doing, but definitely fits right into a Krennic deck. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I think if you're getting two experience when played, <laughs> you're doing very well. Yeah. So um, you're not going to feel too bad about the six costs at that point. I think that's probably a, more than you'll get normally, but yeah, obviously as much value as you can extract from that ability, you should. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Hera Syndulla. Now this was the long awaited, a uh, command rare uh, heroism leader, uh, widely speculated uh, on multiple podcasts, multiple fronts, multiple people in the discord were saying that Hera would have this ability and she did. Um, yeah, Hera allows you to ignore the aspect penalty on Spectre cards that you play. Uh, and Hera deploys at six resources. When she deploys, she is a four-six Rebel Twi'lek Spectre. Uh, and you again, you have the same ignore aspect penalty ability as a passive when she flips. But also on attack, you can give an experience token to another unique unit, which there are going to be plenty of if you're playing Spectres and also Rebels. Uh, Rebels have a lot of the unique units that you can throw in there. So I ask to you, this Hera, do we feel like the passive is enough to give this uh, a solid power level and therefore give it a look? I don't know, because it kind of boxes her in a little bit. Um, it, it means that she doesn't really have the same flexibility in deck building as some of the other leaders do. Mm -hmm. So I think... It just is going to be a question of how limiting that is and 
how powerful the specters are together. Um, and then what, what other specter support is coming besides just the unit cards. So I think, I think that's where, that's where, um, we'll find out what, what Hera is going to be doing, uh, in terms of the metagame. But I think for now, I'm, I'm a little concerned about her limitations, just not really having an ability outside of granting some extra, um, freedom with specters. Yeah, and you mentioned it, to be fair, you know, we haven't seen the full range of Spectres yet, so um, her power level's still a little bit up in the air. Uh, I will say we, we've already seen Kanan, um, you know, be able to be directly affect the Spectres within, um, you know, the board state. Um, you know, being able to take all these multiple aspects will help uh, Sabine's uh, unit card um, for her not to be attacked, which I think is what you want out of that Sabine unit. Ezra doesn't really affect Spectres at all, so he's just sort of a, another Spectre body, but he is unique to, to give an experience token to, uh, if you so choose with Hera. Um, this is definitely not a draft card uh, or a sealed card, um, but you know I think they designed the rare leaders to be more constructed focused. I think that your, your point about flexibility is a very good one. Um, but I, I have to imagine we're going to get at least three or four more Spectre units, if not more. Um, and that number will also grow as we continue through the sets. Um, so I think, you know, this is a wait and see for me. Um, definitely not one that I'm as excited to build. But, you know, that may change when they drop a, a legendary chopper. And, you know, we just have to get that in all our decks. Oh, Chopper. It's got some PTSD there. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, agreed with you on that. And, you know, I'm hopeful because I just finished watching Rebels and Hera's awesome. I love her character in the show. So I definitely would want to get her on the table at some point. And hopefully she's, she's going to pack some punch here. That's right. Uh, for those of you who are listening, you did hear right. Corwin just finished Rebels for the <laughs> first time. So I, this is, it's yeah, I'm behind. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's amazing how you got through destiny without knowing who half these characters were, but I digress. Uh, we'll move on, uh, to a couple cards that were revealed by Max Tapera on social media. Uh, that, uh, link will be in the description box. We're starting first with general Tej. Uh, he is an Imperial official two cost ground unit in command villainy. That two cost gets you a two two, and when played, you can give an experience token to each of up to three trooper units. Now, we've already seen a lot of troopers uh, in the imperial uh, tribal subtype. Uh, I want to make sure we get to the other spoiler from Max uh, before we talk about Tage here because I think it's uh, important context uh, because he got a trooper. Surprise, surprise! Uh, the season short trooper, another two cost command villainy ground unit uh, for that two cost you're getting a two three imperial trooper and while you control six or more resources this unit gets plus two plus zero so uh the trooper archetype is really flourishing already um in villainy in command villainy specifically um, they're handing out experience tokens left and right they're handing out pluses to your units uh, how do we feel about Tej and the Shore Trooper in concert here? We feel good about it. I mean, this the Imperials are sort of building this very impressive archetype with with the Trooper, um, the Trooper keyword, and I think you know I think this the Shore Trooper here is not my favorite of the bunch. I just don't know how much you really want this guy once you once you get to six, and I mean he's fine at two. But I, I just think um, some of these officials that the Imperials are getting, um, I, I, I just think they're very, very good. And I think Tage is one of them. So I'm really liking where that's headed. I think if you, um, you know, if, if you want to be diving into, you know, including a lot of officials in these decks, they, they can bring some very powerful abilities to the board. Um, being able to give, you know, potentially three experience tokens for two resources is huge. So really like Tej, not so much the short trooper. See, I couldn't disagree with you more on the short trooper, to be honest with you. I think this is a staple in every uh, green deck, not just an Imperial deck. I think it's a staple in every green deck that you that you make that's in Villainy. 
um, because uh, green is the is the aspect of ramp. Um, you're going to get to six resources almost always unless you're playing Boba Fett and you decide to stop. And when you hit that six, you know, not everything you draw is going to be six or, or higher, right? You're going to draw some low-cost cards. So I think this might be the best two-cost unit on Villainy right now just because it has early and late game flexibility. Um, if you drop this early, you still have the three HP um, to give it a little bit more of that survivability. But if you drop it late, you're, drop, you're paying two for a four, three, which is incredibly above curve um, and something you're regularly gonna be able to get to if you're playing something like Super Laser Technician, uh, which, is, which should probably go in every green villain deck as well. Uh, or resupply, which you know has a little bit more of a of a niche following, um, but yeah, I think season short trooper is a tremendous card and one that uh, I I would not sleep on, uh, especially when you pair it with the fact that it's going to look incredible as a hyperspace variant. No dispute there, um, but I, I mean it's it's hard to see any of these cards not looking good with alternate treatments. That's a but, fair point. Yeah, I mean. You know, if it, it, I guess it just kind of depends on where you're landing with your command strategy. Because if you know, if you're trying to do the the build up to a really big thing and then wreak havoc, I just don't really see this fitting with that. Yes, you're going to accumulate resources, but it it doesn't necessarily fit the mold in the same way. Um, so I, I think it just kind of depends on your strategy. But I, I I'm a little bit less excited about this card than than others um, that have come out at at two costs for. For Imperials, especially in ground. I just think the, the officials are all better. Well, you definitely, you know, if you have six resources, you definitely want Piet more than you want this card late game. Um, but uh, again, you know, I, I think that this one is, this one provides the, uh, some of the most uh, viability when you do draw it and it's a two cost that you don't necessarily need late game. All of a sudden, that's two extra power that you wouldn't have had otherwise on like a First Legion Snowtrooper or a Snowtrooper Lieutenant, which I will never badmouth Snowtrooper Lieutenant, but it doesn't get plus two, plus Great zero cards. when you have six resources. Uh, so <laughs> any, at any rate, I'm excited to see what both of those cards can do. So it was cool to see both of those from Max. Uh, we'll move on to two cards that we got from uh, Brett Ballet on YouTube. Uh, and uh, the next four cards were presented to us uh, from foreign language YouTubers, which I think is awesome. Uh, really cool to see that uh, happening, um, and it's not because this, this is obviously a global game. This is not just an American game, uh, so pretty excited to see that. Uh, we'll start first with the Ardent Sympathizer. Uh, it's a three-cost, single-aspect aggression ground unit. Uh, you're getting a 3-3 three, three trooper that, while you have the initiative, this unit gets plus two, plus zero. Uh, pretty straightforward in the sense that, you know, Three for a three three on a stick is great. It does have the added bonus of the possible initiative, but you know when you're in single aspect, I don't think you're too upset about three for a three three. So I think this is this is a pretty solid card, especially for a common. It's going to be great in limited play, and you know if there's a trooper archetype on either side, uh, hero or villain, it might find a place. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, the the trooper keyword definitely saves it a little bit, mm -hmm. um, just because. We've seen, we had just talked about the, the different plays possible there. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, um, not not a not a great card by any stretch, but you know, a decent enough option, um, especially for a, an aggression deck that's probably going fast anyway. Yep. Uh, I'll say this, uh, Grand Inquisitor loves this, uh, which is great. Um, so speaking of things that are loved, we need to talk about the Devastator Baby. <laughs> Devastator in the house uh, revealed on the same video uh, 10 cost space unit it's a 10 drop we are out here the Devastator is a unique unit it is a villainy uh, command uh, imperial vehicle capital ship for those 10 precious resources you are getting a 10-10 sentinel with overwhelm and when played, you may deal damage to a unit equal to the number of resources you control. It is a legendary. It is devastating. It is the Devastator. I am going to be devastated if I don't pull any of these. Because this is awesome. 
and I immediately started building decks to ramp up to the Devastator. This is crazy. Uh, I know you're going to disagree, but I don't care. It's awesome. Why would I disagree? This this card is amazing. I mean, you're, um, you're all about economy. You're all about, you know, paying. <laughs> you got Boba Fett on the brain. You're like, oh, well, I can reset my resources and do all I'd say this. Like, a Boba Fett deck is very clearly probably not playing Devastator uh, unless it's a really spicy kind of cool, you know, whatever build that you can, you know, Galactic Ambition or whatever. But I, I don't know, man. You get a lot for those 10 resources. You get a lot. Yeah, you do. And I mean, the, the only question is just going to be like, by the time you get to 10, it, is it going to matter? And, and I think, um, I think the answer to that question, it probably is if you're getting to 10, then yeah, because if you're getting to 10, what the heck is going on in the game? Like this is, this is absolutely one of those game changing cards. It, it would be like a very cinematic type of moment to drop this on the table. And all of a sudden the entire trajectory of the game the battle shifts so um no i i think that this card is incredible and i think that you know in a situation where we get that far along and if if there's any if there's any aspect in which this can be cheated out earlier it's going to be command anyway mm -hmm. so here you are like this this can be this is, this is a, a very very powerful and rightfully so for its price point um uh, a card and, and effects that, that are coming in. Uh, I just think even at 10, it's just massively good. So I think I, I, I tried to do the math and I'm really bad at math, but I think the perfect scenario lets the, lets you, lets you get this out round five. Okay. Because <laughs> if you have, if you play a super laser technician round two with your three resources, then you, trigger that round three and then play another super laser technician then round four you can play you can trigger that and play two resupplies and then you're at 10 at round five i think that's how it works because normally at round five you would be at six resources mm -hmm. so the two super laser techs and the two resupplies would get you to 10 by the time you reset at round five so now it's a little dicey because because what else, what I mean you're you're depending on what you played round one, you're dealing a maximum of four damage to your unit your opponent's units or base with the two super laser techs, um, you know, and then that also depend that's also dependent on you know your leader and when when your leader deploys and all that. So is that enough to sort of survive? Uh, a largely unchecked opponent five rounds, uh, four rounds into the game at that point, maybe not, but you'll get to do 10 damage when this is dropped. So it's only to one unit, but Hey, it's still pretty cool. Yeah. That one plate effect is going to be overkill almost every time, but you know, at least it can take out the most impactful thing on the board. And then after that, you've also got a 10 health soak in space mm -hmm. And you've got a lot of firepower coming in once it actually gets to attack. So, no, I mean it's it's um, it's a huge card, and I, I don't I'm not going to be mad about pulling this guy no. at any point no. in any format. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good to go. This might actually be even better in limited because you know with inefficiencies. Mm. Um, that that come you know outside of constructed, you may actually get to ten more often than normal. So it's a third, why not? That's a third of your deck in limited. So uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, you definitely want to drop this just for the the fun of it. Um, and then you know, I I almost think you want to ramp naturally or natively to ten because then at nine you can drop uh, relentless and protect the devastator from things like vanquish or waylay with the relentless's ability. So maybe mm -hmm. there's an argument to be made there to just double up on star destroyers in orbit and just, you know, go to town, man. Um, that's certainly something. <laughs> you know, people are going to be trying to do that. Oh, hey, man. oh yeah, of course. <laughs> star destroyers are the best. Uh, but anyway, we'll move on. Uh, really awesome card. Really excited to see it in the game. Really excited to have a 10 drop. That's pretty dope. Uh, this next one was uh, just recently shown by the spice squadron. 
Uh, this is a cool one, Lethal Insurgent. It's a two-cost uh, ground unit in Cunning and Heroism. Uh, it is a 3-2 Rebel, just a Rebel. Uh, and when played, if you played another card this phase, each opponent draws a card, then discards a random card from their hand. Now, that's a crazy ability. Because you could hit... I mean, they don't get to choose what card they discard. I mean, you, you it, that anything could be discarded, which is nuts. Now, you know, the, the draw helps it be a little bit more of a mystery in case they only have one card in their hand. You know, obviously, if they, if they have zero, this is just a straight discard off the top of the deck. Um, but this is really cool for two. I mean, you're getting a 3-2. You're getting a rebel, so Leia's going to love it. Um, and you're getting a little bit of chaos being thrown into the mix of your opponent potentially discarding that one card that they've been holding on to. You know, this this is this seems like it's going to be some fun. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, if you really didn't want to deal with all that, you could sequence it to where you just play it first and then, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to worry about the ability, um, depending on whether or not you want your opponent drawing cards. But I think even, even so, um, the chance at sniping something impactful out of your opponent's hand is always welcome in my book, Kevin. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not, not, not unhappy to see this card as an option for, for Connie. God, we'll just watch Corwin's going to be a mill player when Star Wars Unlimited comes out. Oh gosh. Nope. No way. Nobody's going to watch our <laughs> gameplay videos because all you're going to be doing is milling me and that's going to be so boring. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. Uh, Lethal Insurgent seems cool. Uh, exciting to see, you know, what shenanigans that ability can, uh, can create and what sort of havoc we might see out of it. Uh, these next two cards were given to us by Scrawl on YouTube. Um, the first one being uh, the Mining Guild TIE Fighter. Uh, as you saw with uh, the Lethal Insurgent just now, um, these next couple cards are going to be dealing with draw. Um, so we'll start again with the Mining Guild TIE Fighter. It's a one-cost uh, cunning space unit. Uh, for that one, you're getting a 1-2 fringe vehicle fighter. And on attack, you may pay two if you do draw a card. Uh, this is a phenomenal card for limited format, first and foremost. How do you think it feels in Constructed? Mm, weaker. Mm -hmm. um, but it's cheap. So I like that. And I think to have, you know, some kind of a draw engine online is somewhat appealing i mean he's you know this is a squishy unit for sure but i think mm -hmm. um it'll it'll potentially be a, a distraction for your opponent if they don't just want you to draw a bunch of cards that being said you still have to pay for it yep. and i think the two for one is a little bit worse than another card we're going to see shortly mm -hmm. but um i know i think it's nice that it exists i just don't know that it's going to be I, in fact i know it's not going to be a staple of any kind you do love your one cost cards though i do do you play I do do you play this without the ability like if you if you just want one cost cards in your deck do you play a, a one two for one i don't think so no it just I, I don't i don't see this being i mean yeah yeah no i just i don't know that i see this being a, a great option compared to some of the other one cost stuff out there. You'd rather have a, you'd rather have a tie fighter at two, one than a mining. I love the tie fighter. Yes, yep. Yep. I do. That makes sense. Yeah, way better than this. Well, yeah. let's, let's look at a draw card that might be slightly better. Uh, uh, this one is mission briefing. As we just mentioned, uh, choose a player. They draw two cards, three cost uh, event in aggression. Only uh, we were told that aggression wants to do cards in the aggression stream. This fits that bill. Um, three for two. Where do we land? Yeah, much better. Um, much better. Much better. Yeah, three for two, much better than two for one, in my opinion. So I think I, I think this, this is a good card um, to, to keep cycling through. And, you know, we'll see what kind of shenanigans aggression can pull off with its card draw mechanics that, we haven't really seen as explicitly with the other aspects yet. Um, 
but it feels like if if you're trying to draw this is the card to help um just feels really good for three i will be forthright in the sense that i was expecting this next card to be next on the slideshow which is why i said it would be a much better card um because i wanted to pair the two cards that we saw from scrawl together so we're going to skip over mission briefing for now and we're going to talk about search your feelings because I, I think mission briefing is going to be a little bit more mission critical, see what I did there, to our overall discussion about drawing cards. And I'll explain why in a, bit, in a minute. But first, we're going to hit Search Your Feelings. Uh, it's a four-cost event in Vigilance and Villainy. Uh, you get to search your deck for a card and draw it, then shuffle your deck. Uh, this is a rare. I think there's a reason it's a rare. Uh, you can You can find anything. The question I have is... Where do you land on four being the cost when we just saw three for two draw? This is four for one, but you get to pick anything you want. How does yeah, that, think, how do you strike that balance in your mind? I, I think it makes sense. Um, I, you know, you definitely should pay a premium for being able to handpick the cards that you're drawing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if this was four for two, it would be busted. Um, so I feel like it's, it's good at, at one and a very fair price, I think for pulling any card you want when this is played and it's all, and at four, I mean, that's early enough in the game to where you can get to something very impactful, um, you know, relatively soon. So I think this is, this can be, you know, quite strong for those who want to tutor. I have two follow-ups. You said four for two would be busted. And I agree with you, especially if you're able to pick whatever you want. Do you think the other direction, do you think three for this card would also be busted? Um, not in the same way as four for two, but I do think that it would be it would be up there in terms of power level of a three cost card. It would be one of the best three cost cards in the game at that point. I think I think round two is a little too early for a card like this, which is why I think they made it four. Yeah, exactly. Because if you're playing this on round three and using all your resources to do it, you are sacrificing a bit of tempo that your opponent is likely built up already. Whereas that tempo and that engine is not necessarily going in round two. Uh, so I think it, it makes more sense at four for that reason. Um, I also I also think that, you know, because you're you're searching for literally anything you want, um, that needs to come with a price tag, a premium price tag, like you mentioned. But also, you know, does this feel better late game than it does on that round three? Like, do you do you build a deck around using this to set up um, and, you know, finding that exact combo piece you need? Or is this a, is this a lifesaver late game when you need Vader's lightsaber or you need uh, a Sentinel or you need... Uh, an open fire, or you need an overwhelming barrage. Um, you know, where do you see the the power level of search your feelings when it comes to time in the game? I think that that question will better be answered once we have the full card pool, mm -hmm. because I think right now, you know, the mind immediately goes to, okay, you're playing this at four. What's your what's your five, best five cost option you can pull and take advantage of this right away. Mm -hmm. And there just aren't a lot right now. Um, we haven't seen a lot of, of villainy five cost, except for over, overwhelming barrage, which we've all talked about and all think is good. So um, I think I, the jury's out on that still for me. Um, but I do think that the ability to do this and do it impactfully at different phases of the game, regardless of what the rest of this set looks like, adds to the power level and strength of this card and i think uh, um that that is is part of the answer to the question is that i don't know i don't think it matters i think it's it's really good regardless of, of timing fair enough fair enough bit of a cop out but i'll give it to you uh so i want to go back to mission briefing because i want to i want to examine the value of drawing cards here because i think a lot of there's been a lot of discussion uh in discords and on podcasts and on Twitter and just overall within the community about how meaningful card draw is in Star Wars Unlimited. Because Star Wars Unlimited is unique because you're drawing two cards every uh, round. But are you really? 
And I think that's sort of where I want to hit your feelings on the matter because I definitely have my opinions. Um, and, you know, I know that draw is usually really good in card games. You know, uh, if you're drawing and or scrying in magic, generally you're doing something right. You've got a huge, um, you got a huge deck to work through. Same with Pokemon. I mean, po almost the entire power level of Pokemon in the, in the short time that I, that I played it was cards that allowed you to search your deck for stuff. Search your deck for these uh, uh, energies. Search your deck for an evolution Pokemon. Search your deck for a Pokemon V. You know, this, that, and the other thing. Just the ability to immediately just go and get what you need out of your deck and then shuffle your deck. Now, they've they've talked about Star Wars Unlimited sort of being a game where they don't want you to shuffle your deck a ton, don't want you to be taking all of that time to be playing this game, which is why Search Your Feelings, I believe, is the first card we've seen that requires you to shuffle your deck, which is interesting. Um, but let's start with the the concept of draw as a whole, right? When you think of draw in this game, how much value are you putting on it right now as a strategy to put within your deck um, with the cards that we've seen at this point? I think to the extent that I can get it in there, I want it. Okay. Because I think that um, anytime you have expanded options beyond what your opponent may have, I think that's an advantage that's worth pursuing. The, the draw mechanic in Unlimited is interesting because while you do draw two cards during upkeep, you're then deciding to resource one of those cards. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of cases, it can feel like you're really only drawing one. Um, and so because of that, I think I, my lean, at least initially, is that card draw holds its strength in this game as it does in other games. I, I think that the ability to expand those options and give yourself more flexibility, not just in terms of what you could potentially play, but also in terms of what you could potentially resource is a really um, powerful effect. So as I said, to the extent that I can build draw into my deck, I probably will. Um, and the options will seemingly be more limited outside of aggression, but even so, I think any card that has a draw mechanic to it is gonna get an extra boost because I think it it definitely is, is quite a powerful effect in this game. At least that's my initial lean. I think I agree with half of what you're saying. Right. I think that I think that my sort of sticking point on this is it's not really two cards that you're drawing every round because of the resource mechanic. So let's investigate that for a second, right? So by the start of round six, if you are resourcing every round, you have you'll have got and not drawing at all, right? Let's just say there's no card draw in your in your deck you will have gotten through 18 cards in your deck out of 50. That's not half. That's decently far off from half. Of those 18 cards that you will have seen from your deck, seven of them you will have resourced. Because again, we're, we're stipulating that you have resourced every round. So that means of the 50 cards that you have seen, you're only playing with 11. I don't know if, like, again, we had the the deck structure is such that it's going to reward you for you know having a lot of three ofs in your deck. So you're probably going to see, you know, a decent spread in those eighteen slash eleven cards um, that you're seeing without any card draw. But you know, mixing in card draw is going to let you get through your deck a little quicker, yes, but also, you know, if you only draw one Veers in those first 18 cards, there's a world in which you're going to want a second one because that's going to be a priority target for your opponent and it might be get evaporated pretty quickly. Same with Dodonna, same with Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, same with uh, really any Sentinel if you're trying to protect your base, you know, Cell Block Guard, what have you. Um you know, if if you're looking, if you need to get more specters for Hera, which we just talked about, um, card draws a way to do it. So yes, you're drawing two, 
yes, you're making the choice of what to resource and having that decision point where it's like the lesser of two evils of what card to put down. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, you're still only seeing 18 cards and playing with 11. So I do think card draw is going to have value. Now, you said work it in however you can. The part I disagree with there, as we take a look at some of these events that allow you to draw cards. In a 50-card deck like we have, I worry about the relative strength of, car of events that let you draw unless they do something else, right? Because events are, are a little bit more finicky to me in the sense that they're not really, they're, they're not really helping your win condition. They're helping you not lose if they do certain things. But in Star Wars Limited, it feels like units are king. So I, I wonder if there's a distinction and there's a, a priority for building in card draw when card draw is attached to units more than it's attached to events. Where do you land on that? Yeah, um, that was going to be the follow-up point uh, as you were framing your question. Because, you know, with... Um, we, <laughs> it's, I don't know how many episodes ago it was now where we had that conversation about Callus and whether we thought his, you know, he, he was worth the five. And I think as more thoughts have begun to formulate, for me anyway, in, in terms of draw, I think my perception of Callus has only increased because of the fact that he has that built-in effect, which, based on sequencing, you can pretty reliably trigger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's strong there. Um, you know, putting in putting in cards. Um, like mission briefing just for this, the pure fact of drawing, I think is going to feel less good. Although I still like mission briefing being able to draw too. Mm -hmm. uh, it's basically like an extra round of draw. Um, so I do like that, but I think, yeah, the, the units and other sort of um, cards that are doing additional things while also giving you a, a you know, maybe a, a replacement card for, or something are going to be the ones to target and, and less so the dedicated just drawing card of uh, events let me ask you this because they're right next to each other on the on the the photo that we have up for those uh who are watching and and if you're if you're listening uh i, I try not to leave you out here but mission briefing cost three gets you two cards i am your father cost three and gets you three cards or seven damage now i remember when this card came out it wasn't it it, it was not looked at as a meme card, but it definitely had sort of that air to it as to like, well, I mean, you know, your, your opponent's never going to let you do seven, right? So if you are assuming as a player that nine and a half times out of 10, you're getting three cards for three with I am your father, doesn't that make it better than mission briefing? I think so. I also think that if I'm playing against it, I'm ha I'm <laughs> having second thoughts about uh, just letting my unit die. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, three cards is is huge. That's like that's so much value for your opponent. So this is a card that, again, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. It's another example for me of a card that has only gained uh, traction in my mind as we've looked more at the card pool because um, I think it's a very difficult choice for the person sitting across the table. And, uh, it's, you know, that's, that's exactly where I want to put them uh, <laughs> with a card like this is, you know, make them uncomfortable and, you know, present two very, very strong options for me as the one playing it. So I think, yeah, um, the added sort of, stress and in, in, in decision point with I am your father does make it better than, than mission briefing. And for that reason, you know, I think if I'm playing villainy, I'm looking, I'm taking a very close look at this card as a good way to alternatively build in draw. If I'm not, you know, again, dedicating resources to it with, you know, being an aggression or, or otherwise. 
let's stick with the villainy cards for a second because I, I do want to touch on force choke. Mm-hmm. Force choke for two deals five damage or one if you have a force unit, as we know. But it does give your opponent the card draw. Where do you land on spending two for force choke? Because I think I think it's pretty obvious that spending one for that card, you can live with uh, you can live with the uh, you can live with the the card draw because you're getting five for one. Spending two for it again, two for five is better than like an open fire curve, but it does show the value of drawing a card, considering that you're giving that you, that extra resource you're saving, but you're giving that up as a result that your opponent gets a card. So. Where do you land on, on on spending two for force choke? I still think it's worth it, but there is there is a, a strength to your opponent having one other thing to uh, to bolster their hand with. So personally, I have never liked force choke as a card, wow. and so I think um, if the question is how do you feel about paying two for it, my answer is always going to be terrible. Um, I don't even feel that great about paying one for it. So <laughs> you're asking someone who's pretty biased, I think. Um, but yeah, I just, I just am not, I'm not a huge fan of the card. So, um, I don't, I don't like the trade-off enough to include this in, in, uh, one of my villainy decks. I just don't think it's, I mean, it's, it's cheap, it's cheap, heavy damage, which is nice, but, um, I, I would only want to see it like super late. So because I'm not I'm not doing this early. Even if you have a deck that has a bunch of force units in it where you can constantly trigger force choke for one, you value the the not delivering your opponent a card that much that you wouldn't pay one for five. It's gonna feel better at one for five, but I think my my point is that um I'm not going out of my way to add more value to a card that I already think is subpar. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I think, I think at the end of the day, right, there's still a hundred plus cards left to be revealed. You know, we're going to figure out, you know, where draw lands as we get closer, especially like top of your deck draw. Right, because that's I think we're gonna get a little bit more of that. It may be conditional, it may be situational. Um, we're seeing a lot of that with the some of the units that draw cards, right? You know, when when things are defeated, you're drawing cards. You know, see Obi-Wan, see Yoda, see, see Callus, you know. Um, there's a lot of that in there. Uh see uh, uh um uh Starwing Scout, right? Mm-hmm. So and but again, very conditional. Um so I think that's always going to be baked in. It's like the trade-off is, yes, you lost a unit, but you're getting cards as a result, which, again, I think makes unit draw a little bit stronger, in my opinion, than event draw. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm personally giving a much harder look to I Am Your Father than I ever did previously. Um, and I think that that's really cool that, uh, again, we're talking about starter-level cards here. This is a full play set in your two player starter. I am your father. So, I- yeah. And um, I believe if you're on the hero side, you get full play sets of R2 and 3PO as well, correct? I believe that is correct. So, there's, there's another example. I mean, those guys aren't going to do a lot of damage for you, but are they worth including just for the fact that if you can get them both down and reliably trigger a draw as long as they're on the board use them as a decoy for some other units i don't know I mean, maybe I, some added value there i don't know i don't know what you're decoying i mean you put an entrenched on one of those bad boys you're going to town uh, all of all of a sudden <laughs> you've got a four seven that you paid one for um that feels pretty good um, yeah the vi- the, the uh, visual of c3po entrenched is uh <laughs> Chuckling at that one. Well, you know, you 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 put him in the Geonosian arena. He can do some work. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm interested to see how much draw is included when you know the early metagame starts to develop. I'm I'm very interested to see like which of these event cards 
end up making it into into decks like uh, you know how much how much how much search your feelings are you going to see you know how much prepare for takeoff are you going to see now that's i mean that's one we didn't talk about but you don't get to go dig for whatever you want but you're you're drawing eight cards off your deck and you can pick up to two cards out of that now they have to be vehicles but seeing eight extra cards i mean we were just talking about only only working with 11 in six rounds and now you're getting to see eight that's crazy how viable vehicles are remains very highly to be seen but that flexibility is at least interesting and a lot more interesting than i think we might have thought um when the game first started to reveal cards and we were wondering what the overall resource value of a card was i think we're starting to get a clear picture on that and now that we've seen more of what a what a draw card is worth in resources you still think it's fair true or false i think yeah i think so okay i think so i just yeah i mean going back to this idea of 11 cards i mean the the thing that that including card draw does for you is it opens up deck building because it allows you to have options in there that you may not otherwise understanding that yeah you're going to see a limited number of cards per game with um you know with with a deck that's not really drawing you're probably running mostly three us like you said before um and i think that's just in, a, in an effort to make sure you get to give yourself the best chance to get to the cards you want card draw you can get a little bit more creative um if you're cycling through more cards every game so we can't lose sight of that um but at the same time if you're drawing cards that means you're not dealing damage that means you're not reinforcing your battlefield there's always a trade-off so i uh, i'm with you in terms of the curiosity as to where this mechanic will land but i'm inclined to think it's going to be a pretty strong one as it typically is in card games and and if you include three prepare for takeoffs in your deck then that's three potential season short troopers that you have to leave out so. back to that season short trooper so I, don't, I don't know how worth it that is but uh time will tell uh we are out of time so i want to make sure we wrap this up before we hit the hour um but a, a discussion that i'm sure we'll revisit another time again i think draw uh in this game is super interesting uh and one that we will have our eyes on uh, as Palpatine would say, I'm sure we're going to watch your career with great interest as we're talking to the draw mechanic. Um, but I think that's that's about as far as we can go today. So thanks, everybody, for making it this far. For those of you who did, thank you for listening. Um, again, we really appreciate all the interactions that we've seen. Um, if you have uh, continued uh, to watch at this point, uh, go ahead and, and, and hit that like button. Um, subscribe to the channel if you're new. And comment down below what you think about card draw. You know, are, is it too strong in Star Wars Unlimited? Uh, is it still not up to the level that you'd expect it to be? Uh, does it remain to be seen? You know, how do you feel about resource costs of drawing cards? Um, anything and everything you want to discuss, uh, please feel free to drop that in the comments. And uh, we'll try to uh, respond to as many of those as we can. Um, but for now, that's going to do it for this episode of Roll on Gaming. Uh, Corwin, thanks as always for the chat. It was fun. We'll hopefully... Uh, do it again in a couple weeks. I will be traveling uh, next week, so the likelihood uh, a that we'll do a, an episode is very uh, very low. But of course, because I'm traveling, that means the likelihood that they drop the Thrawn leader on us while I'm unable to react to it is very high. So if they do indeed drop Thrawn while I'm gone, Star Wars Unlimited community, you're welcome. Uh, so that's all I have to say about that, Corwin. Thanks again for your time. As always, it was fun, man. I'm 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 still very very excited for this game to come out. Yeah, how can you not be? It's just so many, so many uh, new and exciting things coming. It seems like every week, um, and uh, we're just getting closer and closer to launch. So, I, for me, it's it's just getting the cards in my hands. That's going to be the that's going to be the thing that's you know, keeping me up at night. But um, no, it's it's always good to talk talk through things with you. And I think as we see more of the card pool, the discussions will evolve. And we'll start to be able to really have a better sense of how everything is coming together and speak to it um, 
more profoundly. So I'm looking forward to that too. More profoundly in the sense that we just went over our hour because Corwin couldn't stop talking. So for those of you who stayed the extra few seconds, I apologize. Uh, we, we will give you back the rest of your day. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for subscribing. And uh, we will see you all next time. Appreciate it, everybody. Have a great day.